Hobby Addict の時間です It's time for Hobby Addict And now, here are your anime addicts Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Welcome to Hobby Addicts. Yeah. Meow. Episode 259. Joined by a feral crew today. We have Caroline. Hi, ho. Hi, ho, the Dario. And I we, guess. Also, we also have Mason. Mason, how are you? Hola. So, so animalistic today. Mm, What's like up with that? that? I'm, I'm feeling it, though. Animalistic, I like. Okay. Well, welcome into the podcast, guys. We have a mixed bag of things to discuss with you today, uh, as we have、uh, been doing lately. I am going to be discussing、um, the progress I've made on building an SUV camper. So, that was an adventure yesterday. And、uh, Caroline's going to talk about a documentary called The Staircase. And Mason is going to talk about the Mortal Kombat movie that just came out. And I'm very.、Uh, indeed, indeed. I'm very interested to hear about this Mortal Kombat movie. My first question is Do they play the Mortal Kombat theme song for the movie? Just、like、once. Oh, just once. But they I feel like、it. there's a lot of like, remix or inspiration into it, the, the different music in it. But yeah, nothing like obvious. Of the theme, except well, for maybe that one time. Well, I'm gonna have to say that that's some fucking bullshit. But I guess I can live with it. So、uh, I'm guessing you both saw the movie?、Basically. Yeah, we actually did a group watch in the AAA podcast Discord. I saw that. I jumped in after like 10 minutes or something. Yeah, it was a, it was a small little kind of impromptu session, but it was fun. I knew. Essentially, nothing going into this series. I have not seen any of the previous installments of the series. I think there was a movie in like 95, there was one in like 97,、yeah. and the, the second movie was just so bad <laughs> that it just, they're like, let's、uh, not try this again for like two decades. And finally, <laughs> they mustered up their courage and put this out. And I, it was good that we watched it as a group with some people who had experience with. The previous installments of both of the movies and the games to kind of explain not what was going on because the plot was not hard to follow, <laughs> but just explain, like, oh, this is a reference to this move, or this character in the game uses this move and it's really powerful, and that's why he does this fighting thing. And I think at the end of the day,、uh, if you are into Mortal Kombat going in, you'll probably enjoy this film. I think that it paid homage to. What fans of the series enjoy. And for people who don't know anything, and maybe Caroline can <laughs> <laughs> chime in here, it was, it was kind of mid. It wasn't that good. I didn't think I it mean, would be. I mean, I went in expecting、uh, a video game film and I got a video game film. It wasn't anything groundbreaking in terms of storytelling or characters or things like that. But if you are already endeared to the fighting of the original game and the,、uh, I guess you can call them char- characters of the original game as well, and maybe some characters based off inspirations of those characters,、um, then yeah, this would be a good 
I would say, I, I've never seen the, the other films, but I would say this is a decent addition to those films. So what, so this, I mean, I've seen a few of the movies before. I think I saw the original one in 1995 when I was a kid, but what is the premise of this one? Like what is, I, I'm assuming they get them all into an island or something to f- just fight. So like how did, what, <laughs> what is the, so pre- what is the premise the, of how they do the that? premise is, um, Many many moons ago, in long long ago Japan, uh, Mr. Hanzo is brutally killed by Mr. Sub Zero at the like very first like minutes of the film, and his whole family is frozen to death. But what? I guess one one of his kids, like some baby, survives, and through this bloodline over centuries that lineage has been passed down to just some Joe Schmo who sucks at UFC. <laughs> and I guess in the next installment of the, I think it's like the 10th time in a row or whatever, they're doing this tournament where all these fighters across the globe and universe, I guess, get like a the, the crest, the seal, the tattoo, like planted into their skin saying like they've been summoned for the next round of fighting oh and so this guy gets it and all of a sudden everyone's like oh it's the guy and he's actually the from the bloodline of the guy that we're trying to kill because the prophecy said that that bloodline is going to be the one to save earth and we don't want that it's always a prophecy exactly so essentially he goes around gathers up other folks some with and without the brand like a berserk and stage a fighting defense to defend the honor so the tournament hasn't even started it's just like them trying to attack this random non-video game character made for the movies that's interesting so it's like fate then they're like branded from birth or some shit yeah so like they get it's like all of a sudden when they're like oh we're doing the tournament the the brands appear and then if you kill someone who has a brand you like inherit that ticket and um, in but addition also the to getting, or whatever, Arcana. Yeah. In, in addition to getting a ticket into this fighting tournament, you get the ability to possess a magical power of like flames or lightning or uh, chonky arms or whatever it is, <laughs> and that just makes you a little bit gives you a little extra juice. They're they're all banned substances in this tournament, but essentially, then they just fight a lot. A lot. And the movie ends. Yeah. Are, are they testing? Or do they test for PEDs? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe. That's behind yeah. closed doors. That's risky stuff. It, it really is very dangerous. This film, not not a good life lesson. And I I think the the two problems I had with this film, of of which there were many, was I think the first is on my behalf because Caroline mentioned like this is a video game series and this is yeah. a video game movie. But for some reason, in my head, I was thinking that this was like a big budget, like huge studio production. Maybe just because nothing else is in theater. So this was getting all the commercial time. Maybe just because everyone seemed to be like hyping it up. But I'm like, oh, this is going to be like, you know, we've transcended the goofy Batman stuff. And now we're in the dark, gritty, serious stuff. I thought we were going to get a similar thing from this movie where we had our fun. We had our campiness in the 90s. And this is going to be like a raw, vicious, like spine breaking entry into the series. And it just was 
a video game movie. So maybe I just went in with too high of expectations. Well, what but would a dark and gritty Mortal Kombat film actually be true to what everybody likes about Mortal Kombat? Don't it they would. like that it's like, you know, uh, needlessly gory yes. and just silly, kind of, but also it is dark because you see people's spines get ripped out of their bodies. Yeah, it. I don't know. It just didn't hit the right note that I wanted. Like, I wanted this movie to be The Raid with superpowers. And if you've never seen The Raid or The Raid 2, those are, like, hands down some of the best fighting films of the past, like, century. And you should watch them. They are In other words, of all amazing. time, because I don't think the movie industry is a century old. Uh, decade, century, yes. I, I Point still stands. They're so good. Oh, okay. They're so vicious. And... While some of the fatalities in this film were good, most of them were kind of whatever. But the biggest fault was like, you know, during the actual fighting part before they kill someone, it was so lackluster. It was so just the most generic. Like this is like TV series on NBC kind of fight level choreography. Like it was very uninteresting. It was not impactful at all. And like multiple times. In our group watch, like, I paused it and would rewind, which is not how you should watch movies. But, like, we were just, like, analyzing, like, because of how many different frame cuts they did, it, like, took all the impact out of the fights and made them so sterile and boring, which is not what you want to hear about a fighting movie. And, yes, I get that you can kind of turn your brain off, ignore the plot, ignore the fact that these people just lost in a fight. So two minutes later, they're just going to refight them again as the next plot point. Like... I can excuse that, but there were so many instances where the, the, the fights just felt lifeless. And if that's the one thing you came here for, I, I was not feeling it. So you can just say I'm not a fan and I don't get the references and that's fine. I hope people enjoyed this movie, but I like I if I paid money to go see this in theaters, I, w- I would have been a, a bummed out. How about you, Caroline? Did you like the movie? I mean, it was okay. It's not really my kind of movie anyway. Um, but, you know, also I went in not really knowing anything about Mortal Kombat never played it. So it was okay. Um, I really just jumped in because I saw a lot of people were watching something. So figured I'd watch uh, whatever they were watching. <laughs> gotcha. You know, it's an interesting... So I wouldn't take my opinions too hard, really. It It was a fun group watch, too, like with a lot of people Mm -hmm. when when like a gory scene happens and everyone like goes nuts and everyone screams out fatalities or the token where some character says, get over here, get over here, get over here. And the the whole chat just like erupts like in a group watch, like it's fun. Do it that way. But not much more than that. Okay. well, you know, you you brought up an interesting point. Like you you said you wanted it it to be like a big budget movie. Um. Not that I wanted and, it to be, and I but don't, it just, I, it, it felt unpolished in not a good way. I don't know a lot about like how much movies cost these days necessarily. Uh, I mean, I know, I know what a big movie costs, and I, but, but I guess I should say I don't really know if this phenomenon, I'll call it, is happening. But if you really think about it, like if people are just going to quit going to movie theaters, you're probably going to see movies' budgets plummet dra- dramatically. Um because you know you got because you got people paying like you know ten bucks a month for Netflix or whatever, and Netflix isn't going to be able to pay a, a studio eight hundred million dollars for every movie that they get. So you you may you may get to the point where if we just stop going to theaters, that like movie. My thought is that the movie industry is going to 
take a huge hit, and uh, the budget of these films is going to drop hard, very hard. You know that that that's how I see it. But you know, I mean, because because you can't really expect Netflix to pay or HBO to pay like you know a hundred a hundred million dollars for a movie every week. <laughs> it's just not going to happen, right? So you know the way that it would like, and you know people go. People that go to like movie theaters, you know, the industry is like every year there's, you know, several movies that make over five hundred million dollars. It's usually usually like a Marvel movies or whatever. But, but like, can can you see Netflix saying, "Oh, we're gonna get the Marvel movie"? Well, here's half the money it would have made from the movie theater. Like, I just don't think Netflix is gonna pony up two hundred fifty million dollars to get the the rights to the Marvel film. So, and in order to in order to get that movie made so that Netflix can actually get to it, you know, they're going to have to drop the budget by a lot. Do you guys, do you suspect that that might happen, either of you? I feel like people still like going to the movies, to be yeah. honest. I mean, not that we are able to, really, at the moment, uh, but I've been wanting to go to the movies for such a long time. Was going to go to one last night. Couldn't go because the tickets were all sold out because of the, you know, limited seating situation. Um, so I got a ticket for next week, and... Um, you know, it's it's taking a hit right now, but I feel like it'll come back eventually. How do you feel, Mason? I I agree. I think I think the budget of movies is not going anywhere. If anything, it's just going to keep on skyrocketing as more and more corporations get involved to make these massive franchises. So, yeah, I, I think a good movie can be made with or without a budget, and this wasn't one of them. Well, not a movie with lots of special effects. Like you're not gonna get, uh, you know. Yeah, well, practical event. I want to go back to the days of uh, humans dressing up I, in I the see. Godzilla suits. That's that's peak fiction. <laughs> well, I'm not. I I don't. I don't necessarily disagree. You know. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not really. It doesn't need to become a conversation about movie theaters. But you know, my 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 thought is that like you know I is that people don't want to go to theaters anymore, you know? So, I don't know. I've been lectured several times for going to a movie theater in the last six months, so, you know, my thought is that, yeah. like, people aren't going. They won't go. They'd rather just sit at home and watch Netflix, and the movie theater industry's dead. AMC is pretty much bankrupt. You know, game over. That's kind of like, you know, that's... I mean, the ticket prices and, uh, you know, popcorn soda prices are really expensive, but, you know, there's you can't really beat the feeling of being in the movie theater, having that surround sound and like seeing it on the big screen. I even like asked my friend y yesterday if she wanted to go to the movies with me because uh, that was originally my plan, as I mentioned. Yeah. And she was she was telling me like, oh, but isn't it like really dangerous to go to the movie theaters right now? Meanwhile, she has a she works at a Chinese buffet and we've gone to restaurants several times before in the last few months. And I don't see how going to the movies is I feel like it's even less dangerous to go to the movies than it is to go to a restaurant right now. Um, Caroline, the staircase. I was watching some documentaries okay. last night, but I don't think the staircase is one of them. Yeah, it was, it's on Netflix. It's been around for a while. In fact, this documentary, the original part of the documentary, was back in 2003. This is a 14-episode documentary, I think. And the first majority of the documentary, again... 2003. Then they had like updated episodes added onto that. Then Netflix acquired it, I think, a few years ago. And um, I've only just started watching it like uh, not too long ago. 
I'm only on episode four. It is a bit of a slow burn, but the thing is, is that it has a lot of interesting things about it. So I'll give you the pretty much the overall story here. There is this guy uh, married to this woman. Mm-hmm. This is like in uh, North Carolina back in 2001. Uh, They are known as like having like a very loving family, very mixed family because uh, they had a lot of different like not relationships, but like their children come from a lot of different family units in their lives. And so they're kind of like known as the family you want to be. The thing is, is that one night uh, after having, you know, some drinks, talking for a little while outside of their house, the woman, the wife goes back inside the house. and The man stays outside for a little while longer comes in and finds his wife bloody and oh, just no. unconscious sitting at the end of the staircase. It's a true crime uh, documentary. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. What else would it be? I don't okay, know. so um <laughs> so 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 he finds her and he calls 911 believing, you know, that she fell down the staircase. Now, she's just like there's blood everywhere. So it does not look exactly like she fell down a staircase. You wouldn't expect to see, like, the scene in front of you if it was just a simple fall. Um, so, obviously, everybody take, look, starts to look at the husband, thinking oh, that he beat I her see. to death or something like that. That bastard. Um, but there's no, there's no hard evidence pointing to either case, as, like, as of the fourth episode that I've seen. No strong evidence going either way. So, this show is very much about so far the legal process of everything uh we meet his defense team and they are talking about strategies and ways to um you know the the price of getting you know a good defense in american court systems and this is kind of the part of true crime that i don't normally see maybe just because of the certain documentaries that i watch but even so, I'm like, you know, they're telling you all about the different uh, ways to go about explaining away different details. They are writing like thousands and thousands of different details of the case and how they are going to get around it and how they're going to try to spin it in their way. And the thing is, is that I still don't even know if he went goes to jail or not because I haven't seen the end of it and I haven't really heard about this uh, crime before. And even so, I don't even know if he's guilty or not. Because while the scene looks incredibly, you know, strange, he doesn't really seem to be the kind of person that would commit this crime because he's also like a very interesting kind of guy. Mm. He has a lot of interesting uh, viewpoints on the criminal system in America, also the corruption in this town in North Carolina so regardless of whether or not he's actually guilty, he has a very interesting viewpoint. That's just um, what they want you to think, Caroline. I know. I, yeah. Don't you see? So like, Don't you see? Yeah, I'm not saying that he. I'm not saying that he is innocent. I'm saying that he. It, it doesn't appear that it is black or white. Really, it does. It's, it sounds like really hard to, uh, to to get a view on. This is exactly what had happened. He probably did it. I'm just I kidding. mean, I I'm don't just know. Kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, what yeah, is it, so, what is it with yeah. um like my girlfriend loves true crime. And it seems like the, the ladies love true crime. <laughs> what is it about <laughs> what is it about true crime that has like that certain je ne sais quoi 
that like draws in the ladies? What is? What I don't is know. Maybe it? it's like the thought that terrible things happen in this country. If you have never experienced something as terrible at this before, it's very foreign, very new, and kind of frightening. Mm. Um, so the fact that you know, while your life might be peaceful, it could easily turn into something very scary and. I don't know. It is it is interesting because there's also a lot of mystery in it, too, because of, you know, motivations. If you are unsure of whether this person actually committed this crime and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think I think it's generally pretty interesting. And also, who doesn't love a good, scary story? You know, that's true. Yeah. Well, how about you, Mason? Are you are you are you into true crime? So that was actually one of my like secondary topics I was going to talk about, but I was going to wait till I finished the show before I brought it up. But I am like halfway through uh, the name of the the Netflix <laughs> thing that I'm forgetting about the uh, the art theft of the Isabella Stewart Gardner thing. Oh, I haven't heard I that. I think I might have heard something about a thieving documentary. I don't know what the name it is, though. I'm trying to... Th- it might be called Art Heist. I'm looking it up now because I was not prepared, even though... No, oh, it's called This is a Robbery, the World's Biggest mm. Art Heist. <laughs> it's four episodes long. I'm halfway through it, and I'm going to talk about it maybe in the future. And it's actually funny because it has like a lot of the same like FBI people that they talk to from the show that Caroline talked about a few weeks ago, the one about the college admission scandal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's a lot of the same people being interviewed, <laughs> and it's a little funny. But it's, it's all right. It's... I, I don't like when they try to reenact everything. Oh, I see. I, I That always puts me off. It, it feels like they don't have enough confidence in the strength of the story they're telling that they need to be like, oh, we need to have some sort of reenactment and just show these same scenes far too many times. Like, that. Like there's a cheapness to it that puts me off. But I, think I, like- I, I, I like the dramatized way of, you know, learning about history in a short little form content. So they're all right. The thing about this documentary in particular that I like is that is because it is so aged. It's nearly two decades old. So um, The documentary and, is or the crime? Yes. So the crime was back in 2001. They followed this guy's legal process in 2003 and made it into a documentary right then and there. Um, oh, wow. So I've never seen a documentary back from 2003 before. Usually a lot of the ones I've watched are very modern um so while it is like a slow going documentary there isn't really a lot it isn't it's not like the kind of a blockbuster documentary that's like wow draws you in kind of thing but the whole like meeting the like the defense team and uh learning how it all works from that perspective is pretty interesting um and if you think like wow like this guy's obviously guilty and there's no reason to uh, believe that he's not. The thing is, is that at least in the most recent episode that I watched, something really uh, corrupt, like not corrupt, I can say exactly, but the, basically back in when they this family lived in Germany, like a, like like seventeen years prior to the incident, uh, there was another woman that was found at the bottom of a staircase dead. Uh, in fact, he was a good friend of the husband. And she, he ended up taking in her two daughters after that. But the thing is that she died of a cerebral hem- hemorrhage, 
And the there was a doctor that came in. There was an autopsy done at the, like at that point before you know when that woman died, and they buried her. But then when they found out, oh my gosh, there was another woman in his life that was found at the bottom of the stairs dead. They uh, exhumed her body. They did another autopsy. But the doctor that performed that autopsy was the same doctor who performed the autopsy of his wife. And the wording that they used in this autopsy is that it was obvious that it was a an, a, like, a homicidal attack. And it's like, or a homicidal assault. And it's like, that, that is just so misleading for a jury to hear those words and so like not factual so and that was pretty interesting you, you say, at the very least it was wrong were you saying opt to- were you saying autopsy i might have i don't know autopsy. I, you said autopsy I loved it it was great i could be wrong oh leave me alone mitsuge come on i've been talking be, for a while yeah you, yeah you'll be sounding yeah you'll be talking funny with a mouthful of natto Okay, we're not doing that, Mitsuki. <laughs> not topsy. That's not right. Oh, the stringiness, uh, the snot-like textures. The okay. best, oh, the poor, best oh, true car- crime or best true crime. Uh, the best true crime thing of all time, which is not thing. Have you ever seen the like sketch comedy show Human Giant? No, no. I've actually haven't heard of it. It's think of like whitest kids you know, where it's like a bunch of comedians make up all these dumb sketches, and then one of the sketches they were doing a reenactment for a true crime show and in the reenactment of the crime the actor playing the criminal like snapped and then went on an actual killing spree oh my so, God. so like the, the sketch is like the, then they have to do a reenactment of the reenactment and they're like <laughs> interviewing like the original killer in jail and he's like oh man i'm actually kind of bummed that the guy who was in my reenactment killed more people than i did like it's more like <laughs> it's this whole like tongue in cheek thing, and that's the best reenactment of all time. And I think just because nothing lives up to it, that I'm uh, disappointed. Sorry. That all was right. Quick, easy. Let's uh, move on. Do you have anything else you want to say about that, Caroline, or should I just move on to boring things? Um, I'll just say that it's pretty good. If you don't mind that it's a little bit slower than a regular documentary, at least give a few episodes a try. All right. Well, I started building an SUV camper. Yeehaw. Yippee-ki-yay. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Um, we, we have an old a Toyota Highlander 2006. And, um, you know, it's just like the car that won't die, you know, pretty much. It's, um, it's got 209,000 miles on it. Um, it drives like a champ. Like, it has pretty much no mechanical issues at all. Um you know, I think we actually punctured the power steering on the bottom of the car at one point when we were in the mountains. But other than that, which we got fixed, you know, it's pretty much in, it pretty much drives really well. Cosmetically, it's kind of a wreck, but you know, who the who, who really gives a shit? Um, so the uh, so basically, I, I mean, a lot of the mountains that we're going to be doing this year, and we got sixteen of them. It's it's finally warm now here, and I think it's going to stay that way. Finally, I hope so. I think the mountains are going to thaw, and with any luck, we'll be hiking here within a within a week or two, I'd hope. Um, and uh, we got 16 mountains on the docket this year, and, and and we've been kind of doing all the close ones first, all the ones that are like not that not super super dangerous, and the ones that are close. So we're getting to the point where to do the ones that are to continue doing ones that aren't likely to kill us, um, you, you have to drive further and further. 
And a lot of these hikes, like you really want to be off the top of the mountain by noon because there's routinely a lot of thunderstorming going on at the top of these mountains. And you definitely don't want to be near the top uh, during a thunderstorm because you're literally like in the thunderstorm clouds. I mean, it's really not good. You really don't want to be there. You know, you can actually like, I haven't experienced this, but I've been told you can literally like feel the electricity from the clouds. I mean, it's not good. So really you want to be down by, you, you want to be coming down by, you know, like one o'clock at the latest. And in order to do that, you know, you have to start hiking like, uh, I don't know, probably around, if it's an easy mountain, eight, 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 eight a.m. You get to the top in about four hours. <coughs> and, um, if you're driving five hours, you really can't do that. I mean, you're basically like, nobody wants to leave at 2 a.m. and then drive five hours and then immediately start hiking up a mountain. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of shitty. So, so what we're going to end up doing is we're going to end up driving out the night before, spending the night in the camper, waking up, maybe, maybe make some breakfast and, uh, you know, and do the hike. So we have all these like grandiose plans for this camper. So I ripped the seats out of it, out of the high, out of the Highlander. I threw them away. Um, they, uh, they're very heavy. <laughs> it's very, very heavy. And I really could have used, I could have, we managed, you know, um, the getting the bolts out of the bottom of the car was pretty tough. Like it's pretty amazing. Like, uh, when you take the bolts out, have you guys ever unbolted the, like the, like the back seat of a car's like seats? Never. Mason? I can't say I have. I've, I've folded them down. <laughs> Those fucking seats are never like they will never come out of that car. Like that car could get launched into space. It could like fall out of space and land on the ground. And I can guarantee you, the last thing to come up with the, to fly off of that car will be the seats. They are not going. They are never coming out. Um, but you just said you took them out, right? So you are stronger than well, a car hurtling from this, from space. I I did. I took them out with a with a high leverage torque wrench. Uh, the socket with a good wrench with a socket wrench with a lot of torque on it. Um, and even then I could barely get, get some of those bolts out. I mean, it was like clearly a machine, uh, like, you know, it was done by machines and it was, you know, 20 years or whatever of ne never being removed and pretty tough stuff. So, but, um, so we're, so, so we want to, so the goal, the overall goal is to have like a place to sleep in the back of the car. And, uh, and to have it raised up a little bit so that there's stuff under it. So we want to have storage space. We want to be able to um, have like two drawers in the back of the car. So if you can imagine like in the morning, you pop the hatch of the, of the SUV, the back's open. And, um, you know, someone's like laying on top of the bed. And then someone is standing out in like the grass. They pull out like this drawer that's underneath of the bed area. And it's got like a propane gas grill in it, um, you know, and maybe some cooking stuff. And you literally can like sit there at, you know, 6 a.m. or whatever and cook bacon out in like the wilderness before you go hiking with your propane grill. And, and, um, and they actually make solar panels for the roofs of cars that you can get that will hook up to a battery and you, and that'll like, it'll be charging the battery like constantly, like continuously, like no matter like whether you're hiking or not. And, then, like when you want to use a, a, a like a, like a small refrigerator in the back of the car, you switch it out, you switch it on, and it draws from the battery, um, which has been charging, and the battery is like substantial. So, you can like theoretically be out in the mountains, like having cold drinks and bacon or some shit in the morning, because you know because you've got a small refrigerator. But uh, in order to do all this, 
uh, I spent yesterday uh, struggling because <laughs> I'm not I'm not like I'm 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 handy enough around the house, but like when it comes to building something from scratch, like I'm I really could have used Mason. Like I'm not an engineer, I'm not an architect. Um, it would have been nice to have somebody with like with like a little more architectural or design experience. Um, but like uh, Pancake and I both decided that like we wanted to utilize the bolts on the the, the holes on the bottom of the car where the seats were bolted in. So to build like some box frames out of two by fours. So we so I um, you know spent about four hours yesterday uh, figuring out what which bolts were the right ones and using like the jigsaw to cut the two by fours and um, you know drilling giant just giant holes in these two by fours and getting like I got two of them bolted in, uh, which is about eight percent of the front about maybe an eighth of the frame. It's not very much, but. And then we'll build up from there, but uh, boy, it's tough. It's tough work, man. I mean, and it's expensive. Like two by fours and like quality, like metal bolts. That shit costs a lot of money. It's expensive. So, you know, it's gonna yeah, it adds up. You know, like one three inch metal bolt that's like, uh, you know, maybe half an inch thick. I mean, that's like five bucks for one of them. You go to like Home Depot, it's like five bucks for one three inch metal bolt. It's crazy. Um. You know, two by fours are a little less. It's like nine bucks for a huge two for a long two by four. But that's what happens when you're not buying in bulk. Yeah, I guess. But you know, I only need like ten of these bolts. I don't need a whole bunch of them. So, because I think once we get out, once the frame is built, we'll probably be um, using like wood screws and stuff, and those are cheap. So, but man, it's uh, it's pretty cool. You know, it it won't be enough room for it'll it'll only be enough room for probably three for probably two people. I think, but, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the name of the game. You know, we got a bunch of hikes to do and we got a couple of tough ones this year, a couple of combo hikes. Um, there's one hike that's like, we're going to do, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to see if we can do it. It's like the Columbia Harvard Traverse and it's called the Traverse because like you, you hike up Harvard and then you have to do like five miles at 14,000 feet to get to Columbia and then you come back, then, then you come down Columbia and make a, make a circle. But like, uh, apparently that's like one of the most search and rescued areas in the Rocky mountains because people get lost trying to navigate from one peak to the next. Like they think they're going the right way and they're just like wandering off into the fucking new area where no one ever goes <laughs> and then they get lost and you know, and then out come the helicopters. So, hey, Mitsugi. What's up? So, Remember like a week ago or so when I was talking about that podcast stuff you should know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so one of their most one of the episodes I was listening to recently, um they talked about this treasure that was once buried in the Rocky Mountains and it is all about like this guy who had a bunch of money. He decided, you know what? I'm going to have a bona fide treasure hunt and he made up these clues, put this you know, like got like this chest and he buried it somewhere in the Rockies. And so then started this uh, whole treasure uh, hunt when a lot of people went into the Rockies. Some of them did have to get rescued. Some of them did die. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but and hey, then, <laughs> there was a treasure and it's all part of the fun. Yeah. I think somebody did end up getting the treasure, but uh, some people don't believe he actually did and, you know, that kind of thing. 
Um, now people are just trying to figure out where the treasure was once buried because it had to be like like this really beautiful spot that was mentioned and like they wanted to figure out where it was. It was it's pretty cool because then there was like this whole internet culture of people trying to solve each of these riddles and to give ideas of where it could be. It says treasure hidden treasure chest filled with gold and gems is found in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, that see. could be it, yeah. yeah I, mean, <laughs> I don't know I'm, how many I'm, treasure chests in the Rockies. Wow, it's a. I'm, there's a picture here. Is this? Is this? A, if this is a real picture, it's a. It's impressive. I mean, there's. I don't know if I've heard like a picture actually being taken of it. it I just heard what was you know, uh, basically what the guy who built put it together had said. It's um, filled, filled with gold nuggets. Filled with gold nuggets, gold coins, and precious gems. Holy shit. They'd be worth as much as $2 million. Ooh, that I'll, sounds about right, yeah. I just want to see where they found it. Uh, That's It's a secret. Yeah, but they found it. So where, like, I, just, I just want to know where it was. It's not hidden in a dangerous place. I hid it when I was about 80 years old, the person says. Yes. Yes, he did He did say that, yeah. that That's what, Forrest Fenn is the guy. Yep, Fenn. Fenn has only revealed that it is hidden in the Rocky Mountains, somewhere between Santa Fe and the Canadian border, at an elevation above 5,000 feet. It's not in a mine, a graveyard, or a structure. Well, fuck, that could be anywhere. <laughs> I know. All, all, all of the friggin' Rocky Mountains is above 5,000 feet. Give me a break. The, the whole idea of this treasure hunt was to make people go out to search for it and to enjoy the Rocky Mountains and that kind of thing. I see. Um, and uh, so the real treasure is where is is inside us all along or something like that. The real treasure was the blisters we made along the way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yeah, so this guy, he legitimately at 80 years old uh, took a trip and hid this treasure chest. The thing is, is that people didn't like he's like telling them, listen, there is no like secret codes and acronyms in these like these clues. This is very straightforward. I did this when I was 80 years old. Please don't go, um, you know, climbing down rocks and doing dangerous things just to find this treasure. Because, again, if I could do it myself at 80 years old, you can do it, too, without getting yourself killed. It's like the ultimate geocache. He has no geocaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Geocaching sounds really cool, by the way, but I've never done it. But, um, yeah. Well, that's about it, guys. I mean, I don't know. I might have an update later when I've built more of the back of it, but right now I'm just trying to get these. The, those two those two by fours I did get into the car are never moving. <laughs> I mean, they are like, like uh, you know, the, a class five tornado would not suck those bolt, does not suck those, those two by fours off the bottom of that SUV. I'll tell you that right now. So it could be hurdled from space and they will still be attached. <laughs> it would be, yes, yes, exactly. You could, a dinosaur could, Godzilla could pick that, could pick the car up by the two by fours and throw it by them and it would still be attached. So, because those bolts are very strong. So, anyway, blah, 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 blah. That's about it. <clears throat> But hey, I love you guys. Thank you for listening. We're going to talk about some Mortal Kombat shit in the main podcast. So, Mortal Kombat! So get ready for a fatality of epic proportions and Caroline singing. So. Oh yes, I will do a lot of singing and dancing in this episode. Bye guys. Bye. Have a good one.